they're bringing an edge this week. You can just kind of see a little bit of grittiness, I guess you could call it, with the way that they've been practicing these last two days. Uh, a lot of focus, and you know, as much as everybody wants to talk about the numbers don't matter, the rankings don't matter. Florida State's here in all of this discussion that their season's over. Jordan Travis is out. They don't have a chance now to go to the college football playoff. They're here in all of this, and we've got to remember this is still a very talented football team. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub. In the house, so we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Hear the Spear, presented to you by NoGamey.com. We are here on a wonderful, live, fantastic Wednesday evening, and it is officially Florida Week, gentlemen. Just like that, we're back in Rivalry Week, and man, oh man, oh man, there's so many different storylines in this one. It's going to be pretty interesting and fun to discuss between uh, the guys on here this evening. We'll also have Zach Goodall. From All Gators, our friend over there uh, writing about the Florida Gators and covers the football team very, very well. He comes on here every Florida week to help us preview the Gators and what FSU fans should be looking out for for Billy Napier's squad as Florida State heads into their last regular season game. Of course, the biggest thing to discuss is Jordan Travis. A couple updates there. Dustin going to give him his time as he was there at the game in the press box. Definitely want to get his thoughts on the situation there of Florida State losing their star player and biggest leader on the roster. We're going to talk about Florida State dropping down to number fun, number fun, number five in the college football playoff rankings. Um, not maybe FSU fans, not so fun, but, uh, either way, Florida state, if they do what they need to do. We should have a pretty good discussion on why they should stick into that playoff. No matter what, if they get it done here this week and next, we're going to talk about Tate Rodemaker. We're going to jump into a preview with Zach, and then we're going to have our score predictions with the game. And then at the very end, we're going to talk Florida state basketball. If they just pulled off a big upset against Colorado, Austin VZ's feeling pretty good. With that all being said, with me this evening, Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer and game preview guy for the season for both football and basketball. And down below is our editor-in-chief, Dustin Lewis. Gentlemen, happy Gators week. Definitely a little bit different of a vibe than what we expected to have coming into this one. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. we're heading down to Gainesville, and Florida State has a job to get done on Saturday night. Yeah, as unfortunate as what occurred on Saturday was, you know, the the season continues and Florida State, they're really at the apex here. You know, the most important stretch of the season, obviously, with this rivalry game in Gainesville and then going right into the AC championship. And even though, you know, we'll get into the discussion later, even though dropping a number five, you're still right here in control of your own destiny. If you can figure out a way to win these two games, Florida State is going to be in the college football playoff. 
Florida week's always a heated week. You know, as, as many fans hate Miami, I hate Florida more. Just growing up in Jacksonville, Florida, it felt like everybody was a Florida fan. So this is a big week for me as as a as a fan growing up. And Florida State's got to take care of business. There's going to be a lot of hearing control, which you can tr- control what you can control throughout these next couple of weeks. And it starts this Saturday with with keeping Florida from being bowl eligible. Which team do you guys not like the most? Is it is it Florida? By, Obviously, he has got Florida. But what it's, about you, Dilu? It's the same way with me. It's got to be Florida because I don't know. It, it just felt like FSU that run against Miami. They were just kind of smacking them around. Whereas Florida, it's just always been competitive. At least since I've been watching the rivalry series, and just feel a little bit more uh, vitriol there with the Gators. You also have to keep you have to keep in mind when we were growing up, Miami wasn't really that good you know we were we were kids the last time Miami won a national championship whereas you know right in our middle school days was Tim Tebow and Chris Leak and Percy Harvin and all these guys that's just mm-hmm. always been who's the most relevant and there's not the many Miami fans in North Florida that's, well there's not Miami many Miami fans in general <laughs> but especially not in North Florida you very rarely see them so d- definitely a bigger week for Florida for me yeah, the last time I was in Gainesville, me and Dustin were there two years ago where Florida State, Mike Norvell, Jermaine Johnson, Jordan Travis was out there as well, got dinged up there early in the game. Florida State didn't didn't win and couldn't go to a bowl game. That was a major miss on Florida State and, and Mike Norvell's part. And now you look at it two years later, Florida State now fighting for a college football playoff spot, already reaching that ACC championship opportunity. Um, and the time before that, I was only there in, in 2013 when Florida State did uh, take care of business very nicely with Kelvin Benjamin having a day, Timmy Jernigan wrecking in the trenches, Jameis being Jameis, uh, Telvin Smith. You know, it was so much fun being there. But now going into a night game like this, it's going to be a hostile environment. And, you know, we heard from Tate Rodemaker, and we'll listen to a little bit more of his interview later tonight. But, you know, talking about the expectations of what you're going to be dealing with going into the swamp. He felt like he kind of got a little bit of that in high school, but going to be on a whole different level. And uh, definitely expecting that to be my case, my first night game in the swamp. So looking forward to it, nonetheless, as being a college football fan. But when it's Florida State versus Florida, there's almost there's nothing uh, better than that. It's going to be wild uh, night game in the swamp final home game for the Gators this season. Maybe the final game of their 2023 season, if they don't pull this upset off against FSU. So, I mean, you can expect a pretty crazy environment. I think we can say Logan, the last time we were down there, I mean, kind of the same scenario, but except Florida state too, you know, both teams um, five and six going to the game. Winner was going to the postseason. loser goes home. Unfortunately it was Florida state that day with, um, a, a plethora, plethora of mistakes, but the atmosphere up there in Gainesville, it's, it's definitely crazy, and they get up for this one, as you can imagine, FSU fans do in Tallahassee. We saw, you know, obviously the fans rush the field in Doe Campbell Stadium last year after that emotional win, so it's going to be an energy-charged environment, and it's going to be uh, something special. You know, Tate Rodemaker making his second start. You got UF, Max Brown making his first career start. Uh, one of these quarterbacks is going to rise to the occasion and lead their team to a win. It, it's a lot of desperation from both sides, kind of like you're just referring to with Florida State trying to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. Florida's playing to try to get in a bowl. And, you know, maybe is Coach Napier trying to trying to play for his job or coach for his job? 
you know, the last time Florida lost five games in a row was 2017. That was Jim McElwain's last season in Gainesville. So you never really know what's going to go on there. There's a lot to play for. I'm sure it's going to be kind of tight, a lot of mistakes early before they start settling in. Maybe this favors Florida State because they have the more experience. You know, Norvell's been better under these situations. I think it's going to be a really, really exciting game, and it's probably going to be a little bit mm. too exciting for my heart. <laughs> Most likely. I'm fully expecting that to be the case no matter what. Um, just kind of how we were up there in Death Valley. It was a lot that went into that and was highly stressful. And that felt like a pretty tough, uh, pretty tough outing there and, and, and blood pressure, everything, heartbeat, everything. It was just that's just kind of the how the how the uh, game went. And then, you know, we go into Florida week and you, there's just so much more. Maybe there's still you have that pressure, but maybe some of it's been lifted off. But you still are dealing, you know, with a whole lot of emotional stress and stuff that is in your mind and definitely not just for the players, the coaches, everybody involved on that staff. And so uh, it's been a busy week for that program. So looking forward to talking about it more as we move on. But as always, before we get started, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that like button. Shout out to everybody on our YouTube as well, hitting 10,000 subscribers. I believe we've, we you know, kind of grew from on that 5,000 range up to to 10,000 in just this season alone. So all that has to go to you guys coming out here and hanging out with us either live on on the stream or listening to the podcast or watching the practice interviews. All of that has helped us uh, get to where we're at and super thankful for also you coming on here uh, pre-Thanksgiving to hang out with us this evening. Hopefully everybody enjoys the holidays, safe travels if you're on the road right now. Uh, and traveling over to be with family, friends. Hope everybody has a great holiday from all of us here at Noel Game Day and here the Spear. Uh, Dustin, you know, I want to get your take on the Jordan Travis injury. Um, you know, it's been a couple days now. It definitely felt like since really on Sunday and Monday, getting time to actually really maybe it was Monday when it didn't have football on all day was Sunday football. Kind of really hit me the hardest probably on Monday that, that was Jordan Travis's, you know, last game. That was his last play he was ever going to have in Garnet and Gold. And definitely whenever you were posting the videos of the quarterbacks coming into practice and JT not being there, joking around, always having that smile, saying what's up to you guys, you know, uh, it, it it brutally hit me and I think a lot of the rest of the Florida State fan base. But uh, just take us through that Saturday night for, for yourself and Doak. It was uh, brutal, man, I think. I think pretty quickly after the hit, uh, at least up there in the press box, we knew that it was a pretty serious injury. I mean, I think within <clears throat> within less than 30 seconds, they were running out there, the trainers with the air cast, and you could already see the cart starting to get backed up. And, I mean, that's how you know, like, something devastating just happened there for Jordan Travis. And, I mean, you know, as for everyone in the stadium, just like in the press box, it, it was a really – really tough moment it was hard to focus the rest of the game obviously writing that article about Jordan Travis it's tough to even kind of put that into words in the moment and you know same thing last 48 72 hours it's just been a tough time for Seminole fans around the country obviously Florida State's coaching staff and players because Jordan Travis just means so much not only on the field but also what he's done off the field you know going to go down as a record setting quarterback in Florida State history one of the one of the best ever behind center for the Seminoles and it just sucks because everything that he worked to do during his time at Florida State to 
lead the team to a season like this, to have them in position to win an ACC championship, to go to a college football playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl, you know, to compete on a national stage and get Florida State back to where it wanted to be under Mike Norvell, and it just all gets ripped out from under him. So just been extremely tough to have to deal with that. And like you said, Logan, just realize that Jordan Travis has played his final snap in Garnet and Gold. It just sucks, you know, as much as we create all these storylines and romanticize a sport, it can all just get ripped out in front of you in an instant and just a brutal and, you know, kind of meaningless way in a game like that. Yeah, we didn't know we were being busy doing the instant reaction like that. Just so many thoughts, you know, flowing through your head. Um, yeah. But, you know, for the most part, didn't really want to cover the rest of the game worth the crap. You know, I, you know yeah. I'm sure it was the same way for you guys up there. You know, you just you're just kind of worried about what's the state of Jordan Travis. You know, he knew it was severe. You know, he kind of already knew what the result was going to be. You're not going to see him back out there, but you really just wanted to know if he was going to be all right. And, you know, I think the FSU fan base has really came together with the team. You know, it's crazy how much this program has been through in this like five year span. It has been absolutely of a wild roller coaster. Someone needs to do a movie on it. I mean, not just only just on the field, but in recruiting as well. It has been roller coaster of a ride. And it's kind of all led up to this moment to where you've been able to build this culture right in the locker room with what Mike Norvell has been able to do. And you saw that in that speech afterward in the game. You know, it took a lot for him to hold his emotions back. And who knows, you know, you know, it could have shown for sure. But for what we saw on the on the cinematic recap, you know, it, it really came to my attention that this team has really built a, a love and a bond between one another. And you saw that, you know, just a, hours later when you saw a lot of his teammates going and visiting at the hospital, Mike Norvell being there as well, but all throughout the weekend and Monday too, when Jordan Travis was at the hospital, this team really, really does love one another. And if you can get that going in your locker room and as a program, uh, you know, there, there's so many opportunities moving forward on and off the field to do some really great things as a Florida State University. So, um, and it just so happened to be that it, it, it sadly and tragically was was Jordan Travis uh, that went down, and you could just see how big of a leader he is for this team, and uh, he, he's really the bell cow in that in that room. And I mean, he really just you look at the record books. I mean, he goes down as a legend in Florida State history, and Again, that's why it sucks just to not get to see him lead the team to this moment. Uh, we'll get to Tate Rodemaker in a little bit, but the Seminoles really believe in what he can do, and the season isn't over for Florida State. But as for Jordan Travis, holds the program record for total offense, 10,554 yards, um, total touchdowns with 97, rushing yards by a quarterback with 1,910 rushing rushing touchdowns by a quarterback with 31. And that's important to note because he's fourth on FSU career list and rushing touchdowns. The only guys ahead of him, Dalvin Cook, Greg Allen, and Warwick Dunn. So, I mean, that's that's just wow. incredible. Um, Would have had another 3,000-yard season if he was able to finish the, the 2023 season, finish with 20 touchdowns and two picks, 63.9% completion percentage, right behind last year, 64%. Uh, tied his career high with seven rushing touchdowns. So very productive season for Jordan Travis. Proved himself as one of the best players in college football. His development over the last couple of years has just been insane. I mean, from what he's done since arriving at Florida State in 2019 to now leaving in 2023, 
it's it's just absolutely insane. It's hard to put it into words. I think, like you said, Logan, there's got to be a movie or a documentary on this because there's there's not many people that do what Jordan Travis did, especially at this level of football. And, you know, you really got to root for this guy as he tries to make his way back and make those NFL dreams a reality. You really don't even have to go that far back for the development of Jordan Travis. I mean, just at the start of the 2021 season, you know, we were having those discussions of, is Jordan Travis the guy? Has he made enough progress? Has he shown enough with his arm? You know, he's fighting with Mackenzie Milton, who's coming off a horrific leg injury at UCF in his own right. And to see where Jordan Travis is leaving Florida State is, no one could have fathomed that, you know, a little over two years ago. The records he set, the the culture he helped build with, with Coach Norvell, you know, we could sit here for an hour just talking about Jordan Travis, and it still wouldn't be enough to do to do him enough justice for what he's done for Florida State. He's he's one of the all-time greats. It doesn't matter if he's in the Mount Rushmore in the top 10, top 15, whatever. He's done as much for this program, arguably, as a guy like Ron Simmons did way back in the day to put Florida State on the map because Jordan Travis helped put Florida State back on the map. And it sucks to see him go this way. He deserves so much better. Um, just sucks, man. Absolutely sucks. And to your point, Austin, he, he took over the Seminoles when – they were a loser. I mean, at one of the worst times really in program history and was a big piece in turning them back into a winner. 17 consecutive victories, you know, dating back to last season, tied for second in school history with 28 career victories as Florida State starting quarterback. So, I mean, like I said before, a, a seminal legend and Jordan Travis is going to be remembered in a big way, not only for what he did on the field, but also for what he's done off the field, developing into a leader, helping establish a, a strong culture at Florida State. And we've seen that over the past couple of days. Mm -hmm. And you could see, too, from a lot of the transfers, these relationships that he's built. And, you know, he originally being a transfer from Louisville, him having a lot of ties to getting a lot of these players over to Tallahassee from that transfer portal, like a Trey Benson, like a Keon Coleman, like a Johnny Wilson. A lot of those guys bought into what Jordan Travis was telling them. And not only, you know, you, you can do your coaching, you can do your coaching, recruiting, all that kind of stuff on that way. But I think whenever it comes down to transfers and definitely those that are older, um, it's those one-on-one -on -one times that you have with that player that's already on the roster. And that happened almost a majority of the time with Jordan Travis and they believed his word and everything that gone that went with it and, and, you know, told them to believe in this process and what they're trying to build at Florida state. And a lot of those players obviously coming in to find major success behind Jordan Travis, at least on that offensive side. But nonetheless, he, he's helped out on a lot of different ways on getting this program back to where it, it should be. And yeah, like you guys said, JT will always be highly remembered and uh, highly regarded and as he should um uh, should, should be treated that way um super super great player someone too as just being a media person easy to talk to very friendly is always gonna you know ask how you're doing and certain things like that he's just gonna uh be a super down-to-earth guy and that's how he always represented himself and he did for florida state and you know he's always going to continue to do that you know but uh it was great seeing him at practice and i will jump into practice observations here a little bit, but I do want to go into the college football playoffs um, as this kind of is in the discussion of Jordan Travis just depends on who, on what your opinion might be, but Florida State in the latest college football playoff rankings from last night, 
drop down to number five. Georgia at one, Ohio State two, Michigan three. Washington takes the number four spot over Florida State. Seminoles at five, Oregon six, Texas seven, and Alabama eight. I don't think this really comes too much of a shock to me, guys. I don't know about you. Um, I thought, you know, what Washington did, what they have on the resume currently uh, is is nice, and it, it, it deserves for them to move up. I'm not ter- entirely sure if it's because of uh, Jordan Travis's injury where Florida State falls backwards in that case. Um, it's just what, what Washington put up on the plate at this moment. And we kind of already predicted this sort of to happen. Florida State still is vying for a college football playoff spot, no matter what, as long as they take care of business these next two weeks. Yeah, well, it wasn't very surprising to see this one. You know, I actually had it written up in the draft that we had ready to go. So I just, I mean, I just published that thing. But, you know, we've seen Washington the last three weeks beat three straight ranked opponents, um, obviously still remaining on this, still remaining undefeated on the season, one of the top offenses in college football. Um, Florida State losing Jordan Travis, obviously that's a big blow to their hopes to win the college football playoff. But the committee, when speaking on Tuesday night, I mean, they really gave all the credit to Washington and their performance as of late, building a strong resume. They actually noted that Florida State, you know, after Jordan Travis went out, scored 58 consecutive points to win that game. So they didn't factor his injury a ton into dropping FSU um, this week specifically. And again, you know, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Continue to win. You control your own your own destiny. Ohio State and Michigan are going to play this weekend. Um, Washington still has some tough games coming up. Going to, I guess it's at home against Washington State this weekend. Mm-hmm. They're going to play a ranked team um, in the Pac-12 Conference Championship. Georgia's going to have to play Alabama. There's a lot of stuff that's still in flux here. So being number five, not the worst thing in the world. Florida State just needs to go take care of business in Gainesville defeat Louisville to have a top 10 win as you go right there into the final college football playoff rankings. And, you know, that'll be huge to get them in that final four field, but just focus on you. You control your own destiny. Don't worry about a number. Yeah. Control what you can control. Like I said earlier, you know, with the Ohio state Michigan game this weekend, something's going to have to happen there. Something's going to have to give. I think ideally you'd like one team to blow out the other just so there's no way they could create the conversation of, oh, could you back in an 11 and one Michigan in the four spot or whatever. As long as Florida State wins out, they're going to be in. They're not going to leave out a 13 and 0 undefeated conference champion. If they'll let a 12 and one conference champion in with a third string quarterback in 2014 in Ohio State, Florida State doesn't have any concerns as long as they continue to win out. Looking at a couple of games this weekend, one to keep a close note on is Kentucky and Louisville. And I never rule out Kentucky. I just, uh, I don't know what it is about Kentucky, but um, I, I, I don't rule them out. And, you know, Louisville too, if they let some teams stick around with them, uh, like they did this season, they still got to put teams away. But I'd never count out Mark Stoops. And upsets. I really, I really don't. So they're six and five on the season, but um, I don't know. I'm keeping an eye on that one. Of course, we've got Michigan, they've Ohio lost, State. They've lost like what? five out of six, or something. Yeah, like that. They, they've lost yeah. four straight, including five of the last six. Yeah, it's not. It's uh, and it's at Louisville. Kind of defense. Yeah, 
not the same kind of defense at Kentucky and what he uh, usually likes to bring to the table, but not count out. I'm going to be watching it, be watching it. I mean, we've got Ohio State, Michigan at noon as well. Oregon plays Oregon State uh, actually on fun. Friday at 830. Yep, it's going to be at Oregon. Um, of course, we always got Auburn and Alabama. That's going to be at 330 kickoff. Um, but nonetheless, all the rest of those, not too uh, – not too interesting, at least if you're looking rankings-wise and any kind of impact on Florida State's resume moving forward and what that could change there in that top six or top five. But uh, not too much of a shock there to see Florida State drop down to five. And I saw a lot of people, too. And I think, too, a lot of the national media, maybe there's a few out there, too, as well, keeping a close eye on you, Reese Davis. But, you know, Reese Davis has been high on Florida State Mm-hmm. For the most part, all throughout the season was high on them too, and the preseason. But is really alluding to, you know, Jordan Travis's injury, and if that's going to be the same type of team uh, that they put out there on Saturday and the next Saturday. But you know what? We're about to find out. We're going to mm-hmm. see if Florida State can can play at that same caliber, at least take care of teams and, and win like they should. And so that's all I would tell Reese Davis: just let Florida State prove you. I don't think it's something that you need to really, you know assume until you get the product out on the field and right. if Florida state delivers, then that's, it's said and done type of deal. It's just kind of, I know we got to get the, I don't know. I, I don't really understand that whole thing. Just let the games be played type of deal. I don't think there's really any men, need to mention, you know, Jordan Travis is injured. You got your backup and with Tate Rodemaker moving forward, you know, I don't think there needs to be a whole spiel on that. Uh, what, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> but he flipped on us, man. He turned on his jets like that. <laughs> we were putting out tons of content on him this whole season and preseason about him going really, really, really high on Florida State. But I guess he was really like, uh, like holding on or like, you know, holding on by, you know, Jordan Travis there on doing that for Florida State, which is highly understandable. Yes. But I, I just don't get the whole spiel there. But, you know, ESPN, they got to keep the time moving and keep the show going. So. It doesn't matter. It's like I said, I think last week, there's no reason this needs to be a weekly thing because all it does is for create an hour. Yeah. It, it was an creates, hour that, yeah, I turned that yeah. off. It just creates unnecessary drama. Just do it at the end of the season and let it be. So that's what they want because they're drawing people in to come watch these rankings every week yeah, and then the top eight changes by one spot. That's what I'm saying. It didn't, it didn't even change the first two weeks. It took until the third week. You had Ohio State and finally get hopped by Georgia and then this week you know Washington hops Florida State but at top eight I mean it's it really nothing, hasn't moved and yeah, they wait changes week to week in these like there's no reason it needs to be more than once a month the and worst realis- part realistically they can just do it at the end of the season after after conference championship week the worst part is just how they just slowly count it down and then last night since they knew oh, you hate Florida that. State was going to move <laughs> down to five they're like we're going to do something a little different tonight start at number one <laughs> they, they know I what mean, they're doing. I don't blame them. And, I mean, I don't. And they, blame them and they say they don't know the rankings before they see them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's where it's like, come on, dog. Come on. You're already. Well, I love how Full they predict it, it and they predict it exactly right. Yeah. And they're like, oh, look at that. Look how smart yeah. I am. My man, you have been told well in advance, my guy. Well in advance. I doubt ESPN would want to make their commentators look stupid. So, um, but yeah, that's the college football playoff rankings. Four state at five. Now it's just get get like we've been saying for the last month. Do what you need to do on the field. Come away with wins, and you'll 
you've you've earned your right to make that college football playoff. I Things will. could get crazy, of course. Things can get crazy. Things can get wild. Imagine some crazy stuff happens this weekend and then going into championship weekend, conference championship weekend. Crazy things happen in the SEC. Uh, you know, things could flip around a tiny bit, but Florida State should be able to groove into a three or four spot, in my opinion. I will say maybe another thing that helps Florida State potentially out in the end, you know, you're going to have number nine Louisville uh, get that win. That's a top 10 victory. But also in this week's edition of the the rankings, Clemson moved in there in the back end mm-hmm. up to number 24. So Florida State now, as things stand, two wins over teams that are currently in the college football playoff top 25, LSU at number 14, Clemson number 24. So LSU fans – I know you don't like to root for Clemson, but it'd be better than not for them to beat South Carolina this weekend and continue to stay in that top 25. They sh- they shouldn't have any troubles in that game, I'd imagine. Well, they weren't supposed to last year either. True. <laughs> this is true. But South Carolina looks a lot worse this year. And I believe it's at South Carolina this year. It is. Because I thought the big thing was they won in Death Valley, yeah. Yeah. I just I don't see South Carolina being competitive in that game. Call me crazy. I wouldn't, but crazier things have happened. I'm here for crazy, but not too crazy. And and while, while we're on the while we're on the topic of Clemson making it back to the top twenty five, how in the hell is Tennessee still ranked? Didn't you see the the comments from the college ball chair guys? He said something like they they were good earlier in the year. Oh, they're. <laughs> They have not looked competitive at all recently. Got smoked by Alabama, smoked by Missouri. Florida beat them, I and mean, we and we'll get to Florida here in a minute. But that's not exactly a redeeming loss. Why are they ranked? There is zero reason for them to be ranked. And they they lulled me in because I thought the Georgia game was going to end up being close, and they scored the first touchdown. And after that, it was a massacre. It's just I I don't get it. At least Clemson has shown they they can get up for these bigger games, like they. They pushed Florida State to the brink. They beat Notre Dame. They beat North Carolina. What has Tennessee done? Who have they beaten? Mm-hmm. They like to keep Rocky Top in there. They do. Uh, let's jump into uh, some practice. We should be having Zach come joining us very soon. So this will transition nicely into some Florida talk. But Florida State going into practice this week, uh, Dustin, had to had to, I wonder what you were expecting the most, but you know, without Jordan Travis being there, uh, and also too monitoring, I know you can't disclose on on injuries, and there were some guys that got dinged up in this last game against North Alabama, but still overall, not only Jordan Travis, kind of keeping an eye out on the team overall for health wise. It was good seeing Kalen Deloach out there practicing. He was dressed out, like Mark Norvell said in this opening press conference this week. Kalen Deloach was dressed, probably. Could have gone if needed to, but they kept it safe, and he was able to just sit out this one and rest. But seems like it's going to be a go for number four, which is going to be huge for Florida State on defense on Saturday night. Uh, what was kind of vibe out of practice to you? Did you tell if there was anything different? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say different, but especially today, obviously the the energy boost there with Jordan Travis, and I mean, just a ton of smiles, guys. Um, really happy to have him back around the team. And, I mean, you can just really see what Jordan Travis means. But I think FSU, you know, they're bringing an edge 
this week. You can just kind of see a little bit of grittiness, I guess you could call it, with the way that they've been practicing these last two days. Uh, a lot of focus, and you know, as much as everybody wants to talk about the numbers don't matter, the rankings don't matter, Florida State's here in all of this discussion that their season's over. Jordan Travis is out. They don't have a chance now to go to the college football playoff. They're here in all of this, and we've got to remember this is still a very talented football team. You know, Jordan Travis is a phenomenal player, but there are still a bunch of guys on this FSU team that are going to go play in the NFL and that have proven themselves in Garner and Gold and have won games for this team. You know, we can go from the offense to the defense to the special teams. Um, there's still a lot left for these guys to prove, and I think they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder now with all this kind of quote-unquote disrespect now going Florida State's way with the narrative shifting a little bit these last couple of days. Uh, yeah, seeing, too, just a lot of the players seem like still a lot of focus. Uh, you know, I think, too, a lot of Florida State fans looking at their star players like Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson on the offensive side, then looking at Kalen DeLoge, Jared Burst, taking those big steps and stepping up this upcoming weekend. And you're going to go into a hostile environment. Was the crowd noise loud inside the IPF per usual? I think that was maybe as loud as I've ever heard it. Like they, That's the loudest they could go. They had to have cranked it up to full blast. Like it's normally pretty loud when you've got Florida State preparing. Like I remember Clemson week, it was it was pretty loud and um, some of the crowd noise. They kind of incorporate some of Clemson's like band in there and like uh, some of their chants. So you're just kind of getting a little bit familiar with what you're going to hear um, that weekend. But man, it was just cranked up to a whole nother level these last two days. And you know you've got Florida's fight song blaring, and you've got Tom Petty's uh, I Won't Back Down, some of the, some snippets in there from that. It's it's a pretty funny thing to listen to. But, you know, when they get out there on Saturday, that's that's what it's going to sound like. And um, I think being able to simulate it like that, especially inside the IPF, whenever they shut the doors and everything, I mean, it's just kind of <laughs> you walk out and your ears are ringing. Um, they'll I think they'll be ready as you can be for an environment like that. Well, let's talk about Tate Rodemaker because you got to see him Tuesday, Wednesday, and, you know, usually through practices, you're seeing him a little bit there, get that second drive after Jordan Travis and get opportunity with the twos and, and maybe some threes and maybe there's a mix of some, uh, some ones in there, but he's going with the first team product and, you know, he can't disclose everything. That's why I always highly suggest everybody go check out the practice observations because there is some good detailing on how the, some of these players are improving as as youngsters and also some of the veterans and and showing out as it comes sometimes translates on to Saturdays but uh, for the most part like on the NFL side I don't get to see we just see some walkthroughs of special teams for 20 minutes and then you're throwing the f out of there and you know I only see like health wise what's available but in this case Mike Norvell opens up these practices to the media and gives you guys a lot of great um of, of not really I would say more like practice work to use and kind of give info off to the fan base and, and some sort of way to keep them detailed on, on some of the players and looking forward into what's happening on Saturday. So what happened throughout these last couple of days, D. Lou, and specifically just on, you know, a little bit of a Tate Rodemaker as well? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely coming to the week. He spoke after practice today and said, you know, with him as a starter on the depth chart and knowing that he's going into the game as a starter, it helps him with his preparation a little bit because he knows what to expect. You know, going into a back, going into the game as a backup, you never really know: are you going to play? Are you not going to play? 
Um, he said he's always one play away, and now those numbers have been called. He's ready to go out there and prove it. And I think the unique thing with Tate Rodemaker is he's not really like your typical backup. I mean, this is a guy that's been at Florida State for four years. He's obviously led a comeback victory against Louisville. I mean, damn, led a double-digit comeback against North Alabama on Saturday. Um, he's proven himself at Florida State, especially his last two years. I mean, I think earlier in his career, he – Obviously, you know, on this podcast, we gave some criticism and there were some real struggles there. And we're like, is he going to be able to make it at Florida State? But these last two years, we've seen the strides and, you know, not only this week in practice, but the last year of practice. I mean, Tate Rodemaker has really elevated his game and become a solid and dependable backup for Florida State. And I really think this week, you know, it's it's a lot of the same. It's not a ton different from what we've seen from Tate. Um, pretty confident in his decision making. You can see his arm strength. I mean, that's something that he really brings to the table is um, a very accurate deep ball whenever he's able to get time in that pocket. There was a couple throws from 40, 50 yards out where, I mean, he's just hitting the guy right over the shoulder, um, even with a defender, you know, in the area. So that's something that we're going to need to watch is maybe that deep ball. I think Florida State is also going to want to try and get the ball maybe out of his hands a little bit quicker as well sometimes. So, Expect to see some maybe read option stuff to kind of help him and stuff over the middle, intermediate type stuff. Not all deep balls, but um, the thing with him is he can really just move the ball all over the field. Uh, to Coach Norvell said that he can make every throw that Florida State requires in this offense. Um, already has some chemistry with Jaheim Bell with them playing together in high school. So I think you're bringing in a guy who's already very comfortable in this system, sneaky athlete. Yeah, he actually had like a 20. 25-yard scramble or so today during two-minute drills to kind of get Florida State into field goal range. So a sneaky athlete and, um, you know, someone who has been here for a long time and has a lot of maturity. I don't know if y'all saw the tweet earlier. I'm going to try to find it, but it was earlier in the week. Uh, I believe it was probably maybe the spring or maybe a summer uh, practice week, something like that, conditioning, strength and conditioning week. But uh, they had some mm-hmm. times listed up of fastest players and their units as skilled, big guys, uh, et cetera, and um, specialists as well. But looking at the skill position group, Tate Rodemaker, or at least, yeah, Tate Rodemaker was faster than Jordan Travis in that time yeah. by a pretty decent margin. Pretty, pretty decent. He was the fastest listed on the team as well over some speed. So I'm going to try to find the names of who was on that list. But I think a lot of people, like you were saying, aren't, are maybe overlooking the athleticism that Tate Rodemaker brings. I mean, the dude's friggin' over here. You, you saw him scrambling last Saturday night, but you also see too uh, the ability with his arm and he, he can utilize his speed if need be uh, just in case something is happening on Saturday. If, if things start, you know, collapsing inside the pocket, that's maybe where he's going to be the most vulnerable. And to me, like you were saying, Dustin, Florida State, getting the ball out early for him is going to help a ton. But also utilizing, taking those shots, I think, with that accuracy that he has. When we were seeing him throw that ball on Saturday night, I think the wide receivers too, and maybe tight ends also got to adjust to him because he has a little bit more heat on it than Jordan Travis does. When he comes in there and it's coming at you, it's coming with a lot of speed. And some, it stings when you're trying to catch it. That's something that maybe some of those throws don't need to be too hard on it. Definitely when there's some quick outs, just get it where it needs to be. Nothing too uh, 
nothing too zippy on it, but he does have an arm, and that's something that I think Mike Ravel and Coach Atkins, Ron Dugans, you know, whole entire offensive staff kind of have to shape up a few different things because this is a different type of quarterback that's in this room that was shaped to go through this system behind Jordan Travis, but now you have him moving forward for the rest of the season. And I, I think he was very confident, you know, this week of practice and his decision-making pretty good for the most part. Um, did have an interception today where he just kind of stared down the receiver and, I mean, missed the DB. It got picked off over the middle. But it was his response that really impressed me because he came back very next play and fired a dart right in the same area and completed the pass to Kyle Morlock. So, I mean, he just kind of – he's able to shake off those mistakes maybe like he wasn't able to do – earlier in his career and I think that's going to be big going on the road against Florida because Austin kind of alluded to it earlier but this is a game you know with Rodemaker making his second career start Max Brown making his first career start this could be pretty ugly you know throughout that first second quarter as these two quarterbacks get acclimated um, in that game and in their respective systems and Rodemaker if he does make a mistake in that first half he's gonna have to get over it quickly and get back out there and keep performing for this Florida State offense. I mean, we saw it in the Louisville game last year. It, it did exactly start out pretty for him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ugly throws, balls thrown in the dirt, well below people's hands, overthrows. Bad interception. Bad interception. And then he comes back in that fourth quarter and just plays with his hair on fire and balls out. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen in this game. He does kind of have a tendency to just stare down a receiver before throwing. But, you know, he's got the arm strength. He's been here long enough. Norvell obviously likes him. It was, it was – Norvell's first commitment at Florida State. I think he's going to have enough to get it done. And to, to your point about running earlier, I think he kind of runs it a little too quick. We saw him get in, get in against Wake Forest, and Nor- Norvell kind of got onto it a little bit for tucking it down too quickly uh, late in that game. So I think he's got enough. I think he's going to do what it takes. We'll see if it's enough. Just, man, I, I'm just thinking, too, just the situation that he's put into, and it was good to hear from Fabo, giving a lot of high respect to Rodemaker, and you know, they've seen him grow from uh, from from the very bottom. You know, let's be honest, what we saw earlier on in this career, we criticized quite a bit, but there's a reason why you're going into college, you're being coached, and you're getting developed, and that's something that Florida State is able to put out a product like they did against Louisville. Like you were saying other, earlier, Dusty, you know, he's kind of been in that situation before where he's put himself into a little spot there where he's had to bounce back and, you know, take away what he, you know, had done earlier in the game and try to respond quick just like that and that's what he did on the road against Louisville and then last season which was a massive win for the Seminoles and which I think was a big turnaround for this Florida State program showing that these guys behind can step up to the plate yes you're facing your rival and it's going to be a highly highly uh you know contested kind of stadium that you're going into um, and it, it's going to be a different kind of caliber situation. But still, he was able to do that at Louisville. That shows a lot to me on the road. And you, you got to feel you got to feel better. Imagine if you didn't have that from Rodemaker before, man. You, a lot of FSU fans would be having a lot of question marks in their head about what they're going to see uh, on Saturday night. And then they'd probably be vying for the true freshman Brock Lynn to get in there. I think some FSU fans feel feel good if. Rodemaker is able to get to the get this ball out and get it to the a wide wide range 
of weapons, like Stephen A. Smith was saying on his show. Florida State is stacked with players all across the board on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll see what Mike Novell likes to do to build a game scheme and game plan around that for Rodemaker. And I think there should be some confidence because he's not your typical backup like we were saying earlier. He's been here for four years. He's been in this system. He was a guy that Mike Norvell, his first uh, commit at Florida State, and Mike Norvell actually had been pursuing him while he was at Memphis, but didn't think he was going to be able to get him because he was a, a Power 5 caliber quarterback. And um, that went over Louisville. I mean, that was really Tate Rodemaker's moment, breaking that glass ceiling. And ever since then, I mean, he's really developed into what we've seen now and become a lot more confident of a quarterback this last you know year and a half or so. And that's why Florida State fans, they should be confident because, you know, he's not a Max Brown. He's not starting his first career game. He's very unique as far as backups, especially when you have a quarterback like Jordan Travis. You don't typically have a backup stick around for four years and gain this much experience in the system and with the coaching staff and with the players around the program and, um, you know, all these guys have just professed their belief in that Tate Rodemaker can go out there and perform, whether it's Mike Norvell, Alex Atkins, Tony Tokar is talking after practice today, Keon Coleman. He's not going to go be Jordan Travis. He just needs to go be Tate Rodemaker. They have different strengths, different skill sets, but they can still both go out there and lead Florida State to wins. And at the end of the day, that's Rodemaker's goal. Go out there and get a win. Carol's on here asking about the first team wide receivers, the first string. How is uh, Rodemaker connected uh, with a few of them throughout Tuesday's and Wednesday's open practices to the media, Delu? I mean, obviously, you know, him being the backup for the major- majority of the time, he isn't thrown to them as much as a guy like Jordan Travis. So there's not as much chemistry as there was between Travis and Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. But at the same time, you know, he has been he has gotten reps with them before and Wilson and Coleman being the stars that they are realize that they're going to have to elevate their game now with uh, Jordan Travis out of lineup. And we really saw that uh, with Keon these last two days. I mean, especially on Tuesday, um, just being a freak made made a ridiculous one handed catch after practice. Mike Norvell kind of laughing. He's he was like, that was a stupid catch. Like. Why would why would you catch it with one hand? But I, I think he likes seeing Keon go get that one because it was just a crazy play. But Keon, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, um, Trey Benson, Lawrence Toa Philly, all the veterans on that offense, the skill players, you know, you're seeing them rise up a little bit. Ja'Kai Douglas had, had a fantastic day on Wednesday with some grabs. So that's the big thing for this Florida State offense, you know. You don't need Tate Rodemaker to come in there and be the superstar, but can Tate Rodemaker come in there, perform at an adequate level, and can everyone else put his foot a step forward? There's a question on here from Michael on Facebook saying, do you guys feel like Mike Norvell is holding back? And I'm guessing this is talking about some play calling um, on that side of the ball for Florida State. Do you guys feel like he's holding back, or could there be some execution um, situations where Mike isn't maybe maybe not Mike, but it's on the roster itself and not executing plays. Um, I wouldn't say holding back. I would say guys getting banged up maybe has limited Florida State reaching its full potential on offense. Because I mean that entire offensive line for the most part has gotten banged up, and you've also that means you've got transfers going in there playing for the first time. 
on, along the offensive line specifically, you know, getting that first experience under Coach Atkins. And that was something he talked about at the beginning of the week, you know, guys like Roddick and um, Jeremiah Byers and Keandre Jones, they don't have that game experience with him. So they're learning all of this for the first time, whereas guys like Robert Scott or Darius Washington, Reese Smith, they've all been through it before. They're learning these lessons on the fly, and that's kind of led to some mistakes. And obviously Johnny missing some time, Keon being banged up, Ja'Kai Douglas uh, missing majority of the first half of the season. Jordan, you know, was banged up at times before getting that season-ending injury. Mm -hmm. I really think that's been the thing more than uh, Mike Norvell holding back. I think part of it – I think part of Norvell's play calling has been he knows he has the ultimate trump card in Jordan Travis to bail him out of situations if he needs it on a third down. He can he could have made these crazy plays and crazy scrambles on third down to get you a wild first down. He's not going to have that luxury anymore. Does that change some of the play calling going forward, make it more efficient? I think there's honestly a chance they're not going to he's not going to be trying some of the stuff that we've seen the past couple of weeks and just make everything more manageable, get it to the second and fives, the third and twos. Just make it as efficient as possible. Make it as easy as possible for Rodemaker in what should be a hostile environment. Boom. We've got our guests. Perfect timing as we transition a little bit into this Florida State versus UF matchup. We've got our friend over here, Zach Goodall from All Gators. Zach, it's always great to have you on here. Hope you're doing well. But what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Sorry for uh, sorry for the delay there. We are... Uh... I don't want to talk too much crap, but we've gotten kind of used to delays at the press conferences, and that's exactly what we had tonight. So <laughs> glad to be here. Those used to happen quite a bit in the Jimbo days. Mike does a good job of being on time, but maybe Billy's not on time as much. He started a little hot when he first got to Gainesville. When he first got to Gainesville, he was good about getting there on time. But as we've gone along, they've got bigger things to worry about this week for sure. 100%, 100%. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad to have you on here. We've got a lot to talk about. We, we, you know, I'm glad you joined a little bit later because we had a lot to discuss regarding Jordan Travis, Florida State losing him for the rest of the season. And in y'all's case on the Florida side, covering them, well, what's kind of been the vibe this week, you know, with Mertz getting hurt and now Florida's, or Florida putting out their backup as well on Saturday night against the Florida State defense. How's that vibe been and what also has Billy Napier uh, any, any kind of update on Mertz's side? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been deflating for sure. I mean, I don't think Florida has obviously nearly as much to hang their hat on as a team like Florida State for them to go and lose their their franchise quarterback so to speak but that's exactly what Grammertz has been for this transfer um I mean when he came in over the offseason I was one of the kind of the doubters I'm willing to eat that at this point he's really elevated this team which is crazy considering it's a five and six team uh makes you wonder about where it could be if Grammertz didn't come in and kind of find this career revival that he had but I mean he was putting up just absurdly efficient numbers. Uh, he wasn't necessarily the guy that's going to beat you over the top or be super dynamic with his legs like a Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels, you know, the top tier quarterbacks we're seeing these days that can kind of do it all. But he was just doing everything Florida was asking him to do and some. And, and it was really starting to click here. It was a reason why, even though Florida's, you know, their losing streak is what it is, their record is what it is, but they've been competitive stretch here in a lot of their games and I would argue the biggest if not the only reason is, is really how how great and clean Mertz has been 
Florida obviously needs to win this game to make it to the postseason. Um, four straight defeats coming into this contest against Florida State, a really heartbreaking loss to Missouri over the weekend. I guess kind of what's the mood of the team right now, you know, coming into a, a rivalry contest that's, I mean, as heated as this one between the Seminoles and Gators. Yeah, I mean, I think emotions definitely took a, a shot when Mertz went down because of how impactful he's been. But even with that being said, you know, Max Brown steps in there and he's a quarterback that not only doesn't have much college experience, but I think this is his fourth year playing quarterback in general. And uh, I think for the most part, you saw a lot of fight out of the team while he was in there at the end. And even though things kind of got away from them there in the final few minutes, and that's been a theme for the team. A lot of times this year, even when it's been clear they just weren't in the games that they were playing, they they haven't really given up. And I would I would like to think for them that that's that's carried into what is obviously such an important matchup. I mean, fair or not, even with the asterisks that come for both teams in this game, it's still ultimately with the way the year has gone. It, it's a game Billy Napier will be judged for. It's a game that his team that he's building and there's a lot of talk about how young it is how it's still in the rebuild but it is over 70 percent billy napier's roster at this point this is the type of game that fans always remember it's just how it goes he will be assessed for it they will uh they certainly have got a hope and i think for all of us watching this game it, it, as intriguing as it is with these storylines you want to see a competitive game from both sides and, and i would surely hope that neither team has I don't want to say quit because I don't suspect that, but I hope that them have taken their intensity down a level after losing just two studs that they've got their quarterbacks. Speaking of it being a judgment game for Billy Napier, last time Florida lost five in a row was 2017. That was Jim McElwain's last season in Gainesville. Is there any kind of, you know, seat warming up? What's the talk in Gainesville right now with Coach Napier? Sure. Uh, I think – the noise has, has been loud throughout a lot of this season. I, I think the honeymoon phase truly lasted the entire first year for Billy. People understood what they were signing up for with his rebuild, um, but they wanted to see improvement this year. And ultimately they're staring down potentially. You know, I mean, it will take beating Florida state to match last year's record and get bowl eligibility to, I mean, do they even want to go and have a repeat of what happened in a bowl game last year? If there are to be opt-outs, if there are to be injuries, if there are to be draft declarations in a bad game where a team is motivated to play Florida. Um, all that's to say is that obviously, you know, optically things aren't that great right now. And, and there is a lot of outside judgment. And I, for what it's worth, I believe that some of the noise does get in and they have the responsibility of blocking it out. And to my point that I made earlier, I think they've done a good job of when it comes down to it, when they're in games, when it matters, they do block out the noise enough to just, just focus on that game and not quit on, on their team, which I think is really important when you've got your backs against the wall, when you're looking at that, that horrible potential five game wins or loss losing streak, I should say um, it's easy to quit. I've seen this Florida team quit, not this one in particular, but last year's team, I felt quit right around the Vanderbilt game. Um, I thought the 2021 team with Dan Mullen quit at South Carolina and I'm not seeing that. So even though there's potential, like, yes, I, I think in theory, the seat is warming a little bit. I, I think Billy Napier's job is totally safe entering this off season. 
Um, that being said, next year is kind of when the gloves come off. That That's when the roster is going to be close to 90-ish percent his at that point, if not higher. You have to start closing the gaps. You, you got to finish with a winning record in the conference, especially, I would think. There, there are going to be a lot of goals that they need to meet next year. Um, but that's kind of where it is. It, it, it's a looking towards next year when you've got that class, that stud top five class for the class of 2024 coming in and hopefully for their sake improvements to the transfer portal strategy um, people have talked a lot about potential assisting coaching changes so you look uh, all of that is to say like this is very clearly pointing towards a judgment comes next year thing but there are so many different things that napier is going to have to hit on in this offseason as a part of that judgment ultimately earlier in the season we saw florida get a big win against tennessee and we're like oh Okay, hold up now. Florida's here to compete. And then, you know, on this losing streak that they're currently on, there's been some games where they've kept it uh, competitively. And like we saw just this last weekend against Missouri, what do you think has been the, you know, the cause of Florida losing these games, not being able to take that next step and, and win on a consistent basis? I think you can point to a lot of things. I mean, I, I'm a nitpicker, quite frankly. I mean, I tell people this all the time when they get upset with me for nitpicking, but like I grew up on Jacksonville Jaguars football. I'm a nitpicker by nature. Um, you know, the, the most you. noticeable and just concerning consistent thing has been Florida special teams and, and so many jokes have been made about it, but I mean, it was going into what week, 11 and they were still struggling to get the adequate number of players on the field for a given special teams unit. And when you can pick something up like that in each and every game, to me, it, it becomes coaching. Um, and not everything can be blamed on coaching. I do think that there's still a talent deficit here at really crucial positions, especially in the trenches, um, offense and defensive line. But there are there's yet to be a complete game when the offense defense special teams and coaching are all clean and they come out with like a, that was a great performance on all four parts in all four phases. There's always something that holds them back and in a lot of games. It's been multiple. And, and as of late, I would say the second half of the season, it's been mainly the defense. Um, there's struggle with simple techniques, um, coverage has their liability to give up big plays and then miss uh, struggle to finish them. I mean, struggle to make tackles to get anything from the contact they create with the ball carrier. Um, and when you see these concerns game after game um, in the same areas, it, again, to me, it kind of speaks to some assistant coaching issues maybe some issues just in terms of the general operation, which again, to what Napier is going to have to do this off season is, is certainly changed some things. Like for one, I mean, the overarching thing again is special teams. They don't have a special teams coordinator. Like I don't know how many teams don't have a special teams coordinator, but it seems simple enough. Get a guy that is able to coach on the sidelines on game day. And you probably can put 11 players on the field. It's, it seems simple enough to me. I wanted to, uh, talk about Max Brown making his first career start for the Gators in this game against Florida State. You kind of mentioned him earlier a little bit. Doesn't have a ton of experience playing quarterback, maybe. Um, what has Billy Napier said about him this week, and what do you feel like maybe are some of the strengths that he brings to the table? Because obviously a different quarterback than Graham Mertz. 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't at all want to compare him to Anthony Richardson, but I think the offense itself is going to shift towards what it looked like with Anthony Richardson with a lot more read option. Um, I think they're going to really try and simplify the passing concepts, make it more half field, make it so he doesn't have to think as much and can just get the ball to his playmakers. And I mean, we've seen that so much, even with Grant Mertz. I mean, this, it's become a thing itself where Eugene Wilson is so dynamic on the first drive and Florida gets him the ball and then he goes away, whether it's because he's just not getting targeted or he's taken away one way or another. Like we know that Napier has a tendency to find what works or maybe script something that he knows will work to get his quarterback comfortable right out of the gate and and try and build on it from there. Uh, That's going to be more important than effort this week with a quarterback in Max Brown, who again, he, started playing football full-time as a junior. He's primarily a baseball player. Uh, He's even started playing baseball here at Florida in his free time. Um, But definitely more of the backyard guy than the traditional pocket passer. And I think that Mm -hmm. even though there could be some downsides, even though he could be prone to maybe making some mistakes given inexperience, he might be able to create some fun plays just a result of his, uh, his natural abilities. For sure. Florida State, you know, obviously – They've got Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, the guys in the backfield, to kind of step up now with Rodemaker moving in that starting role. How much do you feel like it helps uh, Brown, you know, to have Ricky Pearsall and, like you said, Eugene Wilson, Trevor Etienne, guys like that to lean on? Yeah, it certainly helps. Uh, Florida's been aided as the season's gone on with uh, some receivers and and general playmakers that have broken out. Uh, Trevor Etienne dealt with some health issues in the middle of the season, but as of late has has really been firing when he's gotten the ball. Um, They still split the ball uh, between the running backs, between him and Montreal Johnson. And that can be maddening at times, but ultimately both players have been effective and Etienne especially. When he gets the ball, you can just tell that there's something different. Um, Wilson's emergence. I mean, he, he looks like a veteran at this point in terms of underneath route running. He's, he's able to make a lot out of nothing. Um, Ricky Pearsall is obviously well-documented. Arliss Boardingham and Hayden Hansen have emerged as uh, potential scoring weapons as young tight ends. Uh, but the issue is the offensive line. They've gotten into a bit more of a groove as of late, but there's just, there was a ton of turnover. I think they lost eight players from that unit from last year, including four starters, uh, at the start of the year, they had a lot of injuries and they've continued throughout. So I feel as though the the true first team unit, we've really only seen them like half of the season at this point. Whereas, I mean, you look at that for Florida State, I think is an advantage. I mean, granted, Jordan Travis has been so good at he can he can get out of pressure. He can make plays on his own. But Florida State's offensive line has not really been as makeshift uh, and certainly they've been able to keep their quarterbacks clean. Whereas Graham Mertz, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times he was under pressure this year. It felt like it was half the time. Um, that, that certainly has been a disadvantage for Florida. Speaking of that offensive line, I think you guys are missing both tackles by the end of Missouri game, plus the center, which I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, has there been any update on the health of the ghost guys and, and seeing if they'll be able to play this coming weekend? You get the feeling they will be without at least Kingsley uh, in the center. Um, he's He's been available the past game, maybe two, maybe just one, but he was in a backup role at this point because he's 
been dealing with an ankle sprain since August. I think he's aggravated it like three different times now trying to come back and finish. He's a redshirt junior, fifth year guy trying to finish on a strong note. And it's just been tough. So even if he's available, I wouldn't expect him to play. Um, Austin Barber, the starting left tackle, he's questionable again. He missed last week with an upper body. Um, he'd gotten hurt twice against LSU. One was, I believe, to the shoulder and the other was a lower body. Um, and they're really concerned more about the upper body. That being said, it's not a, um, it's nothing that requires surgery at this point. Uh, Billy Napier described it tonight as a pain tolerance deal. So he really might be a game time decision um, at this rate. I was going to ask you on the defensive side of the ball for FSU fans listening, uh, because a lot of eyes are going to be on Tate Rodemaker and what, how, and how he's going to be able to run this offense on Saturday night in that hostile environment. Who's a player on Saturday night for Florida that you need to see step up for the Gators that FSU fans should be keeping a close eye on? That's a good question because I think that there are some individuals on this Florida defense that can be or even are really good, but it, it gets – overshadowed by allowing 700 yards to LSU. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, Princely Uman Mielin, the edge rusher, he's he's getting draft grades. He's made he's had a lot of pressure throughout the year, but uh, this pass rush as a whole, and he's a part of it, obviously, has struggled to put quarterbacks in the dirt, um, especially mobile quarterbacks. They've really struggled to contain and, and keep those guys in the pocket. So, you know, this game not being – not having Jordan Travis sucks, but for Florida, that obviously is a benefit because they don't have to necessarily worry about the contain factor as much un unless Tate comes out and surprises the this pass rush and gets out and does some things with his legs too. But um, at the very least, I, I would like to see a guy like Princely, uh, maybe the freshman edge rushers, uh, TJ Searcy and Kelby Collins, who have been impress impressive at points this year. Uh, not only do they need to put pressure on Tate, but they, they've got to put them on the ground. They got to get passers into the dirt, make negative plays. Uh, I guess not even with, just with the quarterback, but with Trey Benson too. And with the running game, you, you got to create negative plays to put Florida state in a position where they're trying to fight to get yards back on second down and create a third and manageable. You want to, I, I mean, that's ultimately it, right? You got to get them a little bit uncomfortable. Otherwise this offense Versus this defense just on paper. I mean, it looks like one that can just run all over. Um, they, they've got to create a couple negatives, and they got to do it real early. And I think that comes in the form of their edge rushers. You mentioned uh, Florida's special teams units earlier and, and how that's kind of been a struggle for them. And, you know, maybe that's an advantage for Florida State going into this game. Um, when you're looking at it from the Florida perspective – you know, I know there's been some struggles as of late, but is there anywhere that you're seeing on either offense or defense that you think maybe the Gators could exploit or find a mismatch? Um, Just in terms of, like, where Florida's got strength? Yeah, yeah. Like, where do you think Florida has the advantage over FSU? If I mean, if anywhere. That's a good question. Um. I mean, really with the run game, if they if they can commit to it, and they've struggled to commit to it throughout the year, Granted, it's because they've been losing games. They've had to go to their efficient quarterback to throw them out of losing. Um, but even if they go down, uh, you know, with a guy who is an inexperienced quarterback, yet a rushing threat in Max Brown, I would say just commit to that. And even if Florida State can create some stops early, just keep trying to press it. And, and at home, I would think you should be able to make that work with um, – 
you know, at this point, Jake Slaughter to me at center is a starter and has gotten better as the year has gone on. So it really just depends on Austin Barber. But if you can run, I mean, I hate to make it sound this simple, but even if you can just run a little bit better to the right side and commit to it and commit to the read option to, to throw that edge defender in that linebacker presence in a bit of a loop, um, you, you got to. That's supposed to be the strength of this team. That's supposed to be what this offense is built around is its running game. And you've got a quarterback who, because he's not used to coverage concepts in the SEC, you got to let him do what he's comfortable with. And I, I've got a ton of respect for Florida State's defense. But if I see an aspect of it, not to be wrong here, but if I see an aspect of it that's stronger than the other, I, I totally think it's its pass coverage. I think that mm the back half of that secondary just doesn't allow completions really at the end of the day. And that's, that's a challenge for a rookie quarterback like Max Brown. You got to lean into him being able to run the ball. I've only got one more on my end and kind of generic here. I know, you know, you don't have to give a score prediction or anything, but where do you think this uh, game is going to go? Sold out crowd, Tim Tebow, the savior and all the gods of universe will be there on the sideline. A lot is stacked into this game, obviously fighting for postseason, like Dustin said earlier. But how do you feel like this game is going to go? Um, and you don't have to give a score prediction, but just your vibe uh, on this one going into it. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, ask me a week ago and I'm going FSU by 21. Like, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. just, it's just how the season's gone. And now I don't know. I mean, there is so much motivation on the table for Florida. You're right. And um, it's obviously impossible to predict what we're going to see out of these quarterbacks. But with all that, I guess I'm just going to go with with what I believe to be the better team is Florida state. I've got no reason to believe that when you put these two teams head to head, no matter who the quarterback is, Florida state, Florida state's top five for a reason. Florida's unranked getting critiqued as it has all year for the same exact thing for, for the reasons that it is deserved. So I could see being close. I've again, like I've literally considered in moments about picking Florida, but I just, I got to go with the team that, that has earned it right now. I think that's Florida State. Hey, I remember last year you came on here and uh, predicted Florida State to win big. And, I mean, man, that ended up being a really competitive game in Doe Campbell Stadium between FSU and Florida. Um, I guess for this one, you know, if Florida is able to pull the upset in this game, how much does that change maybe the trajectory moving forward and maybe how people perceive uh, Billy Napier's time at UF? Oh, I mean, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> Florida fans, all is forgiven. All is great. We're going New Year's Six bowling next year and and ride the Max Brown train, baby, because that's what's going on. Um, for me, I mean, you know, I, I still see a lot of things that need changing. I, I do think that there's going to need to be some operational overall, some changes with uh, some assistance and the way things are done here in the offseason. But listen, the, the big question right now for Florida, because I think a lot of people have written them off pertaining to this season, is can they keep this recruiting class together? And mm -hmm. a lot of that class is going to be in the swamp on Saturday. So Florida can win this game, shock the world. I mean, anecdotes and asterisks aside, pull off a top five win to end the season. Like the recruiting class is also is not only the threat of it falling apart won't only go away, but all of a sudden there's going to be talk about who's, you know, who, who is Florida going to add next to close out the cycle. Momentum will be back on their side. And that, 
that's everything they need and more, I think, at this point. I mean, I, I feel for these guys. I, I try and not let emotion get in the way. I'm obviously, I've told you guys I'm not a Florida fan, but I, I, I pity these guys. I know it's been a tough season. I know it's been a long season. I know they're tired of questions from guys like me about the future. Um, it'd be cool to see them get that. If they could get that this weekend, it would be cool to see the stress, you know, kind of be alleviated as they enter their off season. Zach, will you be there in attendance up there in the press box with us? Yes, sir. Oh, perfect. 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 We'll definitely link up there. Uh, super appreciative of you coming on here, spending the night before Thanksgiving and everything, spending yeah. a lot of time with us, giving some insight into Florida, this upcoming matchup, but to look out for, for Florida state fans as all, as always, uh, we're definitely thankful for you coming on here uh, as always. And y'all do a phenomenal job over there for our SI fan nation network uh, at all Gators. Uh, even if it's a rival of, of this magnitude, uh, y'all do phenomenal work. So it's always great reading up and, and keeping up to date with the Gators on your end. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Happy Thanksgiving. And I'll, uh, I'll definitely link up with you on Saturday. Appreciate you. We'll see you then. See you guys. Thanks, Zach. Perfect. So Zach giving us some uh, great insight there on the Florida Gators and what FSU fans should keep a close eye out for. And man, oh man, oh man, there's got to be some players to step on, step up on both sides of the ball, but with Max Brown, it is going to be his first career start. And I think a lot of Florida State's defensive line inside the trenches there and a guy named Jared Verse and his last rivalry game will be licking his chops. And I can go and tell you right now, just coming off of a few things I've heard and also seen on social media, I think Jared Verse is ready to turn the notch and take it up to another level, which should be fun to watch on Saturday night. Gentlemen, We've already kind of previewed this throughout this uh, tonight's episode, but uh, you know we're kind of here at the score prediction stage of this one. We've all predicted since the very beginning of the season in our season preview predicted Florida State to go undefeated. We gotta we gotta be proud of that, man. We gotta right now we're we're rolling on predictions, and I'm just wondering, isn't it wild that the last game, at least in the regular season. You don't have Jordan Travis anymore, and are we still going to go in the route of Florida State staying undefeated and completing a twelve and zero regular season? What what a what what a wild ride! What a wild ride this twenty twenty three season has been. But man, last last thoughts on this before we get into score predictions. Last thoughts on what? On what what we're going to do on Saturday night and work. Should be a should be a competitive game. I, I think there's going to be some twists and turns in this one. It's not going to be as uh, straight and narrow as some of those other wins that we've seen Florida State get. They're they're really going to have to fight for this one and take it from the Gators up there in Gainesville if they want to advance to twelve and zero. And you know, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive, you know, maybe than what we were thinking a couple weeks ago when we were previewing this matchup. Much like Zach said, everything kind of goes out the window with these two new quarterbacks. Yeah, somehow we're all going to win our preseason prediction and Don't still also out. all lose. Um, <laughs> it's Wednesday, and I'm already nervous for this game. I hate playing Florida. I don't care what sport it is. Stupid things will always happen. It doesn't make it any better that they're doing the Tim Tebow thing. 
I know, right? And uh, Brandon Spikes is Mr. Two Bits. I mean, I don't care about that. I don't. I don't know what that is. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't really care about that. I just. It, it needs to be Saturday already. <laughs> the The only thing making my, you know, concerns like die down a little bit is if the the football basketball thing is real. The basketball team got absolutely smoked last week, so hopefully the football team can do this. Can do the opposite and, and smoke the Gators this weekend. Uh, score prediction time. Score prediction time. You're up. Um, I, yeah, I am up. I am. We're wrapping back around, baby, for hopefully a deep uh, postseason run. Um, but I'm going to stick with uh, Florida State here. I think Florida State wins on the road. Um, I think this comes down to the offense more than anything. I think the defense will take care of what we've seen Florida put out onto the field offensively. But uh, I've really been impressed with Adam Fuller and adjustments that he makes in the second half as well in case there were to be something where Florida's, Florida's putting some points up in the first second quarter. Um, but I do think they're going to move around with this offense a little bit more, put out some rollouts for Rodemaker. He's got an arm. We know that. I'd like to see Ja'Kai Douglas utilize if Destin Hill's able to be a full go as well. Take advantage of some, some deep shots. And I think Douglas is one of those players where Rodemaker can really utilize him throughout the game going deep. Um, and then the second player, Trey Benson, uh, he's got to take a, he doesn't have to take a step up, but he's got to uh, make an impact in this game in that running back room. There's a lot of versatility in that room overall, but Trey Benson needs to put some, put up a good stat line in this one. And the help helpfulness of having two of the top wide receivers in the country, like Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, should be of help alongside those two productive tight ends. Actually, three with uh, Biscuit, Kyle Morlock, and Jaheim Bell. So I got Florida State 31, Florida 16, and the Swamp on Saturday night. I think this is going to be ugly early on, like a 6-3, to 10-6 to mm-hmm. kind of halftime score where we're just sitting there going – what what have what are we seeing on offense? You know, for, to me, it's going to come down to the trenches. You know, on the offensive side, the offensive line has to be better than they've been. You no, know, really, all season, create open running lanes for Trey Benson, for Toa Philly, for Rodney Hill, for whoever is running the football. Keep Tate Rodemaker upright, and then on the defensive side, that defensive line's really going to have to to sink in and keep Montreal Johnson and keep Trevor Etienne from getting those big chunk plays that we know they're capable of. I I already see a Trevor Etienne 65-yard touchdown in my head. I've just already accepted that it's going to happen. It's it, he's just he's just that kind of playmaker and Etienne's have always done well against Florida State no matter whether it's Travis or Trevor. I think you're going to see a lot of RPOs from Florida State. I just feel like that's what Rodemaker's more comfortable with with those slants and posts. Just give them those easy completions. But at the end of the day, Florida State is the better team, even with both quarterbacks out. And I think I think they maybe get a late score to to take advantage of it. I've got Florida State winning thirty four to twenty seven and taking mm. taking advantage of a lesser so, Florida defense. So me and Dustin are going to be stressed out in the press box. Thanks so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's going to be a battle. I, I too think it's going to be tough slugging early on for both teams while they kind of feel out, you know, what works for each of these new quarterbacks. Um, you know, luckily for Florida State, they've got some real offensive weapons. I agree with you, Logan. I think this is one where Trey Benson, 
especially, I mean, coming off that emotional game where he was right there and, I mean, saw Jordan go down. He's going to want to come out here and have a big game against the Gators. I'm really looking at Florida State's offensive line. Banged up throughout the season. There have been some moving parts. You know, we're not sure if Marie Smith is going to be able to play after going down against North Alabama. That'll be something we'll be watching leading up to the game. But, I mean, you're really going to need a strong performance out of them uh, to get the ball moving on the ground and, you know, give Rodemaker some time to settle in and really, you know, start to get into a rhythm. And also the wide receivers, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, tight end Jaheim Bell, they're going to need to, to have solid performances, uh, make things a little bit easier on Rodemaker in, in a tough environment. And I think Florida State's defense, you know, this is going to be a big showing for them against the Gators who have struggled on offense, now have a new quarterback. I think they're they're going to feast a little bit, but this one it's going to be back and forth, um, gritty, closely contested. Probably have some personal foul flags, uh, but in the end, I think Florida State um, they're going to come out, you know, battle tested with a win in Gainesville. I'm going to go FSU 24, Gators 21. Mm. Oh wow, another very close. Okay, okay, interesting. Listen, I I love it if it's your score, Logan. Two-score game, you know, going to the fourth corner, I could kind of breathe a little bit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat all game. 100%. You know, and two, before moving on to basketball, you know, you go through that, you go through that traumatic experience and your, your, your guy goes down. But, you know, this team still is on a mission. And there's a reason why Keon Coleman came to FSU. There's a reason why Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, a lot of these players, these newcomers definitely in that transfer portal came to Florida State like Jaheim Bell to not just compete for that ACC championship, but make it to that college football playoff and put a ring on their finger. And at some point, you got to turn your mentality over to, you know, grieving that 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 loss of JT on your team that pivotal factor, that biggest leader on, on the field for you that has been the one to make plays to keep you in games. Um, you know, you got to wipe that off and, and go fight for your brother. And uh, it's still, you're, you're still on a business trip. This is still a business trip. You got games to win and this season isn't over. And we're really going to see the state of this team. It's going to be kind of like what we saw against Louisville last year. We're really going to tell how, how much more of a step this program really has taken and if they really do do their due diligence and let's say route florida you know i i man magnarvel is one hell of a coach and what he's been able to do so we'll see we'll see on saturday night looking forward to being over there in gainesville me and dustin will be there covering that one looking forward to it alongside our guy tommy Mir, our editor at nolgamebeat.com so should be fun there in the swamp Let's jump over to some basketball visa to end off this podcast because I think people, like you were saying in the production meeting, are starting to like get a little itchy to come back to Florida State basketball after definitely throwing it away in the trash last year. They make a big move here and beat Colorado, uh, ranked number 18 in the country. VZ, just coming off of that window, I know there's some previous games too we'll talk about, but what a win for Leonard Hamilton going into overtime there and setting the NCAA record in overtime wins. Well, not set, but extend their overtime record. They already had the record from when they beat oh. Duke two years ago. And coincidentally enough, that's this is the biggest win since that Duke game. I don't, I don't think I'm sugarcoating anything. Florida State was so bad last year. You know, I, I made the point of saying Florida State didn't have their fourth win until December 21st last year. 
and they got their fourth win this year on November 21st. Florida State looked like they belonged on that court, and you know we'll talk about the game that happened on Friday, but they made such an impressive turnaround from just a few days before to come out and beat a solid UNLV team and then to really beat a really, really, really good Colorado team. I think that's the second-best team in the Pac-12. They've got experience. They've got talent. They've got two or three legitimate NBA guys. They held KJ Simpson, who's an All-American type player, to just five of 22 from the floor. They held Tristan De Silva, who tested NBA waters last year, to two of nine and six turnovers. It's what you want to see. You know, the first few games, the interior defense was pretty piss poor against Colorado, who is one of the most efficient offenses in the country. They held him to just 38% inside the arc and 25% on the perimeter. It was really just a great performance defensively. They forced 20 turnovers, a turnover rate of 25%. If Florida State's going to win basketball games, that's that's how it's going to be. They're going to have to make things sloppy. They're going to have to create turnovers. I know some people will look at the offensive rebounds and go, oh, my God, they let up 19 offensive rebounds. They only had 11 second-chance points. If they're going to limit the second-chance points on those offensive rebounds, you know, you can you can sometimes give those up. Florida State had eight second chance points on just five offensive rebounds. So they're doing what needs to be done to win win basketball games right now. Jalen Ganey should be back soon, which is going to help that that rebounding and that defense a ton. People are excited again. It's it's fun to be a basketball fan again for what feels like the first time in forever. Um, but shout out Jalen Worley, nineteen points on seven eleven shooting. He was. Really good offensively in the second half. Really good defensively all game with three steals. You know, I, I've said since the begin or since before the season, a good Jalen Worley is an aggressive Jalen Worley, and he was so aggressive last night, just getting to the basket, finishing through traffic. It's what we wanted to see from him. And really, the, the first four games we didn't really see it. You saw it last night when he when he can get downhill and finish. It makes the team so 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 much better. And then obviously we, we can't shout out Jameer Watkins enough. I've seen so many people in the last week to two weeks just say he looks like a baby Terrence man, and he does. They move the same way. They they operate the same way. They can make those same flashy lob passes. They dunk the same way. It's like I'm watching his twin. It really is. And he, he just does whatever's necessary. This game he led the team in rebounds with 11. Last game he led the team in assists with, I want to say, eight. He just does whatever ever is necessary to get the job done and it's what florida state's been missing and what a find out of the transfer portal for florida state i mean you bring in vcu's i believe fourth leading scorer from a season ago and uh through the first five games of the season jameer Watkins has been florida state's best player um so far just so impactful whether it's scoring uh getting rebounds passing steals blocks he's just all over the court and has made a tremendous impact for the Seminoles. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you said it yet, Austin, but named the tournament MVP for the Sunshine mm-hmm. Slam to kind of recognize his efforts in these two games. But man, Florida State's defense is back. They were absolutely locking down Colorado. I mean, throughout the game, especially, but in those first 12 minutes or so, I think Colorado only had about 12 points. And then they went, they went on a little run there towards the end of the first half. But you were just seeing these guys switching, um, physical, up on guys, full court press, just all over Colorado, really suffocating a team who came into this top 25 uh, team, potentially a an NBA lottery pick over there. So 
this was a big win for Florida State, especially early in the season. You've already got four wins. You only had nine all of last year. Um, I think getting one like this in the non-conference schedule could really propel this team moving forward. And as you said, Jalen Ganey isn't even out there for Florida State. So this team could get even better. And as they continue to gel and just continue to implement these new guys that have only been playing now together for five games, um, you know, Florida State, as things stand, could be a, a bright future for them as they continue to move forward into this season. Yeah, so Jameer Watkins last season for VCU only started about half their games, you know, 17 of a possible 35. Nine and a half points per game, five and a half rebounds per game, only one and a half assists per game, and just over a steal per game. Through five games at Florida State, 14 points per game, six rebounds per game, four and a half assists per game, and basically two steals per game. I mean, he's just doing absolutely everything. It's such an incredible find from this staff. I've, I've been super, super impressed for him. And Florida State had 17 steals as a team yesterday, four players with three or more steals. It's the second most steals by a Leonard Hamilton team at Florida State, which they've had some pretty damn good defenses when you look back. I mean, you can even look back at the Trent Forrest eight steal game. You know, they've just always had these guys that can get after the ball, but 17 as a team is pretty, pretty incredible. And that's just that's just going to have to be how they win basketball games. Make it sloppy, create the turnovers, and take advantage on the other end. Such an impressive win this early on in the season. And now you look at the rest of the non-conference slate, it's pretty winnable. You know, there's a lot of questions about what could Georgia be, what could USF be with Kennesaw State's old coach. I think you can win the rest of these. Georgia, USF, SMU, UNF, Winthrop, Lipscomb, you know. There's a chance that Florida State has more non-conference wins this year than they had all of last season combined non-conference and conference. And I think they already have more non-conference wins than last year, right? Yeah, they only had two last year. <laughs> I mean, it's it's incredible. A year ago, we were talking about such a disappointment in the ESPN Invitational, losing by double digits to Siena, Stanford, and Nebraska. None of those teams are very good in case you didn't keep up with college basketball last year. Just a year later to beat what I think is a solid UNLV team, UNLV team, you know, a team that's probably going to be the top four or five of the Mountain West and then beat a really damn good Colorado team. It's such an impressive turnaround. Really, really impressive turnaround. And, you know, maybe like I was saying before the season, some of those guys that you lost maybe were more additions by subtraction. thing is, you know, Florida State's going to have a little break here. They'll face Georgia next week. We'll actually be on here to talk about that, and then they'll tip off, like, yeah, a little bit later I'm, on. I'm going to try and get over there for that game. You should have plenty of time. 9-15. Yeah, you should, still have, you should still have time, though, assuming we start a normal time. 9-15 tip in the tuck. I mean, what is going on? Against a Georgia team that's just 2-3 and three right now. They haven't mm-hmm. been off to their best start playing our – old friend in Mike White. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that game next week, but I don't see a reason why Florida State shouldn't be a five or six point favorite heading into the basketball game. Should be a good one. Maybe the maybe the students show up again. You know, Jalen Deloach is going to want to show out since Florida State didn't take him so he could play on the same school as his brother. Um, but I, I'm really looking <laughs> forward to the rest of this non-conference slate and Conference slate starts next Saturday at UNC. 
I've already talked about how I'll be pulling double duty going to that game at 2 p.m. then hustling down to Charlotte for the ACC championship. Should be an exciting day for Florida State sports. That'll Mm -hmm. be fun. Any chance FSU receives any votes in the top 25 poll? I highly doubt it. There's there's a lot of teams that deserve not to be get, ranked. Not get ranked, but just get ranked. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. One great win is great. You know, It's what people want to see out of Florida State, just get back to their winning ways. I think you have to go out and beat North Carolina next week to start getting votes. They, people just need to see more. It doesn't take five games for people to go, oh, Florida State's back. You know. Even though, like like I said last week, I've been I've been drinking the Garnet Kool Aid. They've, they've looked good, and that Florida game was just. I've said it a few times in articles and Twitter on on Discord wherever. That game was such an aberration. I think if those two those two teams played again this Saturday, I think it's a much closer game. I'm not saying Florida State wins, but you're not getting that same result. It was the best possible game Florida could have played, and the worst possible game Florida State could have played, all at once in the first half. There was nothing. Florida State did that work. Everything Florida was doing was working. That second half, Florida State actually won the second half by nine points. And Florida was still trying. It wasn't like they gave up. They were still trying. Florida State was just doing some things differently, and it ended up working. I'm so glad they responded the way they did against UNLV in Colorado. I think it's going to be a really – maybe not a really good basketball team going forward, but I think they're going to be pretty competitive. There's, there's an outside chance that they're a bubble team. Yeah, if we look at it from from the viewpoint coming into the year of thinking, you know, they're probably going to be around a 500 basketball team, hopefully. Now you can have a little bit more optimism. Like, you know, they're probably not going to win the ACC championship, but can this team now compete to be in the upper half of the league and be in a position maybe to be on the bubble in March? That's I think that's maybe a fair assessment now. Yeah, because let me tell you, the ACC sucks. It is not a good conference this year. Um if, if we just look at results today, Florida and Pittsburgh are about to play pretty much as soon as we get off this game. I'll be tuned into that one. Virginia barely, and I mean barely, beat a bad West Virginia team coming off getting beat by Wisconsin by 21. Uh, Cincinnati obliterated Georgia Tech today. If we go back to Monday, Florida State was the only ACC team to win a basketball game as – Louisville fell to Indiana and Syracuse didn't even look competitive against Tennessee. Wake Forest fell to a bad LSU team on Sunday. Miami's had a couple closer than expected games with Kansas State and was it FIU last week. Boston College has not been good. There's no reason Florida State can't be like that fifth or sixth team in the ACC, I don't think. They've got some talent. They've got the they've got the experience and for the first time in what feels like years, they have the cohesion. You can tell this team likes playing together. You didn't always get that vibe these last couple of years. I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm not going to say any names. Um, but someone did point themselves out yesterday. Go to my Twitter if you don't know what I'm talking about because that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but they, they just they look like they look like Florida State again. And I heard that before this season. We feel like us again. And you're seeing it on the court. I'm, I'm willing to throw that Florida game away. I don't think that's ever going to happen again this season. They're having fun. And I just think really last year is like when they got in those tough moments and were facing adversity, they just kind of shut down and they quit playing as a team. But then when you look at what they did against Colorado, I mean, they were working as one on both ends of the court. I mean, 
it's a complete it's night and day compared to what you were watching a, a year ago for sure i mean a year ago they weren't even in these games i mean they were getting smoked early on i mean like i said you're losing by double digits to sienna you're not in a lot of basketball games for them to not even be in but win against like i said a really good colorado team it's just it's such an impressive turnaround from this team this staff coach hamilton i'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. They get a week off to to get healthy because Cam Corn hurt his toe apparently uh, yesterday. We'll see if that holds him out. And then, you know, they're hoping Jalen Ganey's back on Wednesday against Georgia. That'd be huge for this team, especially going into North Carolina that has arguably the best center in the in the conference in Armando Baycott. So they're going to need him for that game at a minimum. Yeah, Corn got banged up. Fletcher had a didn't have a. I mean, he had a pretty bad game, honestly. Um, Green Jr. did make some big big shots, but only finished three out of 12. I mean, that's a game where FSU gets smoked last year by Colorado, but instead you've got Chandler Jackson coming in there, giving some contributions. How about Deontay Green? I was just about to say his name. Holy crap. That guy kept Florida State in that game in the first half and then had some big sequences later on as well. I mean, what what a performance from him. Definitely looks finally back from that ACL. And not just in the Colorado game, but in the UNLV game as well. Back-to-back games where he sets a career high with 10 points off the bench. It's exactly what Florida State needs. And now when Corn comes back healthy and Ganey's back, that's a really intriguing big man lineup of Ganey as a glass-cleaning, shot-blocking monster. Corn, who's super versatile offensively. And then Deontay Green that just kind of does a little bit of everything. It's such a perfect mix. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Coach Hamilton, and especially Coach Jones, because he's the big man guru. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they use that rotation going forward. It's really versatile, really exciting. It's a, it's a deep, versatile team. It's what I kind of thought we'd be seeing. Well, definitely feels good to buy into basketball again. Only one win, though. Big one. Big one. Four big wins. One They're at four wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. A big one. Big one. I'm buying. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling feeling better. Feeling better. Hopefully, FSU fans keep pinning up your phone there and your DMs, VZ. We like it. We like people interested in the uh, in the content that we're putting out. But it's nice to see Leonard Hamilton get that big win, and we'll see what they do against Georgia and then North Carolina, a ranked team, talented as always, and always end up being pretty fun ones usually. So, uh, looking forward to that in early December. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the rest of this show. Appreciate Zach hopping on here to give us some Florida Gators insight. Florida State versus UF, 7 o'clock, ESPN. Hope everybody has safe travels down to Gainesville and the Swamp. We'll be there covering that. We'll have our instant reaction on here after press conference duties wrap up there. So we'll be giving our instant reaction down on the field. I don't think we did that, did we, D. Lou, two no, years we just, ago? we just left because I think we were salty that uh, like all of our con- – we had like a bunch of content set up for like FSU – bowl game like bowl game projections like some different kind of stuff and you know, like yeah. all that ruined and i think we were just like dude let's just drive back to tally or whatever and either i'm gonna be in a really good mood too. i'm either gonna be in a really good mood or i'm gonna be fleeting stuff across my room all podcast i'm gonna be upset <laughs> i'm upset Fifty thousand on index is disrespect um all right <laughs> there you go there you have it there you have it drake shout out drake shout out drake All right, but yeah, that's wrapping it up. 
appreciate everybody listening to us this year. Dustin left because of that. So see ya. Adios. But I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you leave, hit that like button, subscribe so you get notified every time we release a new episode. We'll be here Saturday night, late one, late one, but we'll be giving our instant reaction to Florida State versus Florida on Tim Tebow night. So looking forward to that. See you guys. Have a great rest of y'all's week and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah.